All right, all right. Welcome in, everybody. Uh, welcome in, world. Welcome in, the United States of America. This is, for the win, uh, a brand new broadcast. We are brand spanking new. I'm actually sitting in my new digs, which is absolutely amazing, uh, with Blue Wire Studios. Uh, this will be my podcast. I am Eric Winalda. This is for the win, and we're coming to you from the win. Uh, hotel, resort, and casino located in wonderful Las Vegas, Nevada. And this is kind of, I'm going to start off with this because people, people need to understand this. Guys, it took me eight minutes to get here. Eight minutes. That's it. It took me eight minutes. I literally, and that means door to door. I mean, door to, to this chair, uh, which is really fantastic. I haven't had an experience like that since New York. I had an apartment in New York once. It was really close to the studio. It's just literally downstairs, make a right, and you're there. But this is really cool. Uh, brand new studios uh, for uh, Blue, Blue Wire Studios are built to the nines, I would say. And it's, it's an absolute terrific place. Uh, and this, as you can see, is my new big board, FTW. It looks exactly like the emblem that you would see on the United States national team jersey. Uh, that's me in the knee slide with no face. Uh, but that still is me, Eric Winalda. And I am uh, so honored and happy to be with you. Uh, this is a podcast that will get into all kinds of, of trouble. <laughs> that, what that means is, is I am uh, going to be unafraid to jump into some of the, the places where most people that uh, hold this kind of position would be a little bit afraid to do. And what that means is I call people out. I'm not coming on this show to bash people, but there will be some bashings. And that's, uh, in my opinion, something that is necessary, uh, especially now since the United States of America has grown up as a soccer nation. Uh, quite a bit, in fact, since my playing days. And if you remember me as a player, I, was always, uh, I always had that unfortunate uh, tag of being the bad boy of soccer, which really wasn't true uh, and a little unfair, but um, that was, well, that's what people call me, the bad boy of soccer. I, I, I would call, I was the bad hair of soccer. We had a bunch of guys on my team that had the hair part figured out. I didn't care enough, but uh, that might be how you remember me. I'm losing my hair. I look a little different. I'm 52 years old. And um, at this age, at this stage in my life, with everything that I've been through, I'm going to be unafraid uh, to go after you if, if you're uh, acting up. And I have three unbelievable topics tonight. We are right in the middle, in case you were hearing this for the first time years from now. Uh, we are in the September stage of the World Cup qualification but for the United States. And we came out of the gates um, not well. 0-0 in San Salvador. Uh, which was not viewed as a great result. One-to-one -one at home in Nashville against Canada and more recently Honduras. And this is where the story gets good because everything that happened last night, in fact, was the kind of roller coaster that I have not seen in a long, long time. I would even go so far as to say I've never seen it this bad. And when I, when I, Go at my three topics tonight. You know, it's going to be the game. It's going to be this team. I want to break it down for you and give you an idea of what I think is happening and what I think uh, we might need to do uh, in the very near future if we're going to qualify for the World Cup. If those of you who don't remember, we did not qualify for the last one, so that everybody's a little bit on edge, understandably. But I'll, I'm going to start figuring out what this team actually looks like. I, I, I think some of these players in the first couple of games have played them out of a spot. And to remind you, uh, Weston McKinney has been suspended from the U.S. national team, and he's, he's in all kinds of hot water. And we might go through or catch you up on that in, in a bit. He was not participating in this game. Uh, the second thing I want to talk about is just this fandom. I, I, I'm, 
The word fan comes from the word fanatic, and boy, you guys are proving it. I, when, when at halftime last night, the score was 1-0. Uh, Honduras had scored in the 27th minute. And if you happen to be surfing around on Twitter or any, any other social platform, you would have been, there was one topic, and it was Greg Berhalter out. Our coach, who uh, is, is just getting a bashing right now, mainly because of those two uh, performances in El Salvador and Canada, not getting, only getting two points, especially uh, not winning at home. That, that's always going to be something that rubs people wrong. But the expectation was to, to, to rebound and to beat uh, the likes of Honduras. And there we were at halftime. They had scored in the 27th minute, and we were playing horrible. And it, it was really bad. And what was worse than that was the reaction from what we call our supporters which I'm going to explain in this program why I think we are the way we are. And that's going to take a little bit of time. <laughs> but it, it is something that needs to be talked about, and I do have a message for uh, the American fan or the American supporter. And it might very well be get your act together and, and actually stay true to the supporter. Word, that is. Uh, we did have an emerging star out of this, Ricardo Pepe, who's uh, the 18-year-old kid. It was... A lot of people thinking this is not a good idea to throw this kid in the hot water this fast or the deep end for that matter. But boy, did he deliver a goal and two assists. And I, I, have, I don't think I've gotten emotional like that in a long time. To, but to see the joy in that kid's face and to know his story uh, was, was absolutely terrific. And lastly, I guess what, before we let you go, uh, I, I, I do want to uh, keep these, uh, these podcasts evergreen, but we do have to get in too. This, uh, this weekend, as far as the, the club play is concerned, as we move uh, towards uh, club play and away from the qualification process, which will resume uh, again in October. But some crazy stuff has happened in, in all of this. If you're following the Brazilian players uh, who could miss out the weekend at the EPL and, and some of the rulings that are coming out, it, it's going to affect a lot of players and affect a lot of games. And to be, to be you know, honest, it's going to affect the line on a lot of these games. <laughs> Since we are in Vegas and I'm allowed to talk about it, uh, we'll go through those uh, as we get near the end here. But to start off, what was that is, is the first thing I want to ask everybody. As far as what your role is, as somebody who might paint your face or call yourself a United States soccer supporter, I understand the anger. I understand the frustration. In fact, as a player, when, when you actually are a player, and Greg Berhalter, our coach, at one time was a player. And if anybody ever says to you, uh, I can't hear what the fans are saying. They're a liar. Of course you can hear it. And some people have this filter that they can, they can you know, muffle it out to a certain extent. But for the most part, if you're on the field, you hear it. You hear it. It's just a matter of how you deal with it. And all that yelling and all that noise sometimes can really affect the way you play. And some people use it as fuel. They, they, they love it. They, and that's why you see certain players after a goal, they, they'll run to the crowd and they'll put the ear up or hand to the ear or they'll tell people to shush or, or you know, maybe they even take it too far. But that's a response. That's a reaction to people coming at you. People saying things you don't want to hear. People trying to throw you off. Now, what I think is going on right now with our coach is he's just not the coach you wanted. 
you take it back in time and you say to yourself, okay, Greg Berhalter is our coach. But for those of us who've, who know, and know him as a player and as a coach, that, that coached within Major League Soccer, and he started off in Sweden, actually. Actually, his first role was an assistant coach at Bruce Arena before he went to Sweden. But now as a coach, he was basically hired by his brother. Jay Berhalter uh, ran U.S. Soccer, and he is no longer with U.S. Soccer, but he got him the job. Uh, people can say, oh, come on, that's not really true. It, it, people can complain about nepotism, but it, it, looked, it had a bad look coming in. So my argument here is that he never, he never had a certain percentage of you anyway. He came into the job, and whether he was going to do well or not, you were going to criticize, or you were going to just say, he's not my guy. Now, I know I shouldn't do this. I know I shouldn't, especially you know, with, with everything going on, but this is, this is very similar to a Biden-Trump scenario. It just is. I mean, I, I don't like to bring up politics and these kind of things, but it, it feels that way to me. It feels like somebody that's a, that's a diehard Trumper who would support Trump no matter what. And it's, it's going to, of course, they would never vote for Biden, but they're, they're sitting there waiting for Biden to screw up so they can go nuts. And that fanaticism is, is kind of what we showed. It, it, that's what we looked like last night. Because all those people who just can't find a way to like Greg Berhalter are the ones that are screaming at the rain. They're not recognizing him for a good work that he's doing. It would, it would be like if, if, if Biden did something or signed up something or, or anything that, that would be viewed by the public as a positive. It's very hard for somebody who wouldn't vote for him or wouldn't like him to actually say, good job, Mr. President. Now, last night, last night, in the middle of this, in the middle of all of this mess, our team is playing horrible. I'm sitting there thinking to myself, wow, this is about as bad as we never wanted it to be. And I'm having flashbacks. I'm thinking, man, this feels like Trinidad. We can't score. We can't play. We can't do anything. We got to do something. And I'm not on the inside. I got my ideas just like everybody else. I had people at halftime asking me, well, what subs would you make? And I'm thinking, well, this is what I would do. I wonder what Greg Berhalter is going to do. So what did he do? He made uh, essentially five subs in that second half. He, pull, he pulled out the two players we didn't think he'd pull out, and Josh Sargent and, and John Brooks, and basically, because they were underperforming, they were playing bad. And he made some ballsy moves. He really did. The substitution for Bello, he, he puts in Robinson on the left. The kid scores six minutes later. I mean, immediately, immediately, we're different. Immediately, we look like a completely different team. And at the end result, Sebastian Lejet gets in the game. Aronson gets in the game. Yedlin comes out uh, on that right side. They take Sands out, which was probably a good move. Because some guys, sometimes they don't play well. And you got to have the belief system to put in the guys to make the changes, to make the adjustments that are going to win the game. And let me just say this so everyone understands how monumental last night was. Whether you like Greg Berhalter or not, you have to recognize that what he did last night as a coach was amazing. It was amazing. He scored four goals in the second half. In the, last, well, the previous five games, we've scored four times but we managed to score the equivalent in 42 minutes. 
you have to recognize that. In World Cup qualification, it's 40-some-odd games. Only one time has the United States come back to win a game that they were losing at halftime. 33 times that hasn't happened. So what I would say to all of you out there who can't stop with the Burhalter out and fire him, fire him now, chop his head off, watch it roll down the street. I mean, I saw some stuff last night that was like, really, come on. If you're going to call yourself a supporter, if you are an American outlaw, and I am calling you out, guys, because I know you're an outlaw, but that does not mean you shoot one of your own in the back. You don't. It's not how you act. Last night was, uh, was the epitome of, of a roller coaster. It, it went all the way to the bottom and then straight up to the top. And it was awesome. It was awesome. It really was. And to talk about this new kid, Ricardo Pepe, who coming to the game, we, we, to have a coach, let's, let's really just frame this the right way because this was the p most important game and it was going really bad. And so this became the most important moment, the most important five-minute speech of Greg Berhalter's life. And he kept the kid out there, and he took out Sargent, and he took out Brooks. He took out experience and said, I'm going with the kid. If you, if, if you don't see that, I mean, now you could say, well, of course, it was the right move. Yeah, but could you make that move in that moment? The answer is no. And the reason why is you don't know the team. You haven't put all the work in to know this team well enough. You don't understand sometimes at how difficult these games are. It is not going to be what you think it's going to be. Ever. This is CONCACAF. CONCACAF is a big, scary place. We even have our, our, our captain. In, in, well, once uh, Pulisic went out, the, the captain's band always ends up on Tyler Adams' arm. And even he said, I'd rather play France or Spain than play in one of these games. Because they're hard. And they're different. And they demand different skill sets. And they also demand a team coming together when they really needed to. And I couldn't have been more proud uh, of, that, of that performance in that second half. There was, there was several fist-pumping moments, but to score four goals in the second half, uh, to do it the way we did, and to actually, if you watch the game, and if you watch it from an analytical eye the way I do, because I watch it once as a fan, then I watch it again. And I watch it as a, a and I try to analyze things. Sometimes they ask me to. Sometimes I'm just doing it because I like to learn. But there was, there was moments in that game where you could just see the switch. And unfortunately, that switch came when Christian Pulisic, arguably our best player, got hurt. And I have this on time code, by the way. I was on Twitter at halftime, and I said, I'm scared. I'm worried about Christian Pulisic. If they leave him in the position he's in, he's going to get hurt. Actually, I think he's going to get his ass kicked, is what I said. And he did. And he did. And this is kind of why, if you've heard me talk about this in the past on, on various platforms, that I think Christian Pulisic needs to get moved out wide. Because you know what the one thing I know about when you play out wide? You don't get kicked from behind. And that seemingly is happening a lot to our captain. Because he's put in spots where he's surrounded. And we're expecting him to just do a one-two in a phone booth and get out of it. And there are times when you can't get the ball from Christian Pulisic, but there's always times where you can just kick him. And that's what's happening. We need to protect him. 
if we want to keep them healthy. And this presents a huge problem right now. Now, here's, here's, the, here's the, you know, the good and the bad and the ugly here. We just beat Honduras, which is arguably the, the, the most difficult game of the three set. And the way that we did it, we did it without the guys that we thought we needed. So when you look at that original, you know, like the guys get called in, where did they come from? And you see Man City, Barcelona, Juventus, Dortmund. You kind of go, wow, we got a good team. None of those guys played. None of them were on the field when our team played their best. Actually, one of them in Weston McKinney has decided to completely act up again, and he thinks he's a lot better than what he is. So he was sent home. That's a coaching decision that had a direct impact on the result of a game that saved his job. It's so easy to do the easy thing. It's so easy to look at, hey, well, this is where these guys play. I, I got to play. I mean, look where they play. They play in the Champions League. This is my team. It's got me to the point where I am so tired of hearing about this golden generation because teams who play for each other are the ones that qualify. And last night in the last part, latter part of that game, man, we looked like a team on all levels. And Brendan Aronson is, is winning me over. And I, I, you know, at some point, it was going to be a public apology because I just didn't think he was good enough. But his energy, his movement, uh, his conviction, uh, and, and the reaction that his teammates have when he has success is very telling. It's very telling to me as a guy that's played in these kind of games and knows how hard it is to go uh, to some of these venues. And, and, and that doesn't just mean once they blow the whistle. That means once, you, once the, the airplane lands, to the time you are finally in the air and you're on your way home. It's a tough trip. It's always a tough trip. But as fans, this is the, this is the analogy I would, I would liken you guys to right now. This is really the way I feel. I, I, you know, and I, and I, I hope you understand this and you can digest this. But let's pretend that you're on an airplane, okay? And you're flying somewhere. Maybe you don't like to fly. Maybe you, maybe you love flying. Doesn't matter. What happens when that plane goes through some serious turbulence? And it's all over the place. And people are bouncing around. And they have, there, there's that really awkward time with, please put your seatbelts on. And everybody's kind of scared for that moment. And you're just, you're, uh, there's people around you who are panicking, who are white knuckles. And, and they're, they're digging in and they're sweating because they're scared. They really are scared. But in that moment, what usually happens is that the turbulence stops. And then there's always somebody sitting next to you or sitting across the way who seems to be completely unaffected by this. And, and they just kind of put their trade table together and then they secure their computer and they kind of look over at you and they kind of wink and smile and say, yeah, it's, a, it's kind of like that. Um, I do this slide all the time. And what happens? You calm down. You calm down because there's a voice of reason in the room. And, and, you, and now you realize, okay, I'm not going to die. Okay, and you take a deep breath. That's how I felt <laughs> coming out of this game. But the, 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 the real truth of the matter is, when do you really calm down when you're on a flight like that? 
You calm down on a flight like that when you hear the, the captain come over the intercom and say, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Apologize for that. It was some turbulence that uh, we often encounter on this route, and we're very sorry. We've uh, moved our elevation. We're going to fly around it. We'll be landing in 45 minutes. Flight attendants, please take your seats. Completely calm. I mean, if, if it's not like the movie Airplane where you go up there and the guy's like, you know, freaking out. It, it, it's, it's the calming voice that you needed to hear to actually understand that you're going to be okay. Now, here's the problem with Greg Berhalter. <laughs> He's not capable of being that voice. And you, it drives you crazy. It, you just can't accept it. Because Berhalter, knowing his personality and knowing him as a, as, as, and knowing how into the job he is, and sometimes, sometimes he fails that, that human connection, or maybe he's just tired of the media, but he almost Belichicks everybody. He says, oh, yeah, we, um, we, uh, we hit some, some air. Air hit the plane, um, caused us to react. We flew uh, under it. Uh, we bounced around. Sorry about that. Uh, but we, we're okay now. Uh, we're going to land. Uh, thank you. And that's just not good enough for you guys. It's not. You, you didn't want him there in the first place. So now you're you, you, in a moment like this where you should be saying, that's my coach. That's the guy that just did something that no other coach has ever been able to do in World Cup qualification. Go to a hostile environment and score four goals in the second half. A team that was beating us. Not to a, one of those other games that, that, like a Cuba or a Haiti or one of the games that we, we jumped on early and we scored a bunch. And we've done this to Honduras before. We beat them 6-0, but we've never been behind and had to come back. And, the, and just the dynamics of that alone needs to be something that people understand. It's not hard. I mean, it's not easy. It's very hard to come back in those games. When, you, when the crowd's against you and the calls are against you, and it, it doesn't get easier. But I just want our fan base and our supporters to, to, to take, a, take a long look in the mirror and ask yourself, what are you supporting? If this were politics, I'd say you're supporting the United States of America. If this was the U.S. national team, I'd tell you, you're supporting the United States of America. We need to go back to doing that. All right, are we good? Are you okay with that? Okay, beautiful. I'm moving on. I want to talk about this team. I think, I think one of the things that, that is wonderful about this team is that we have great depth. But they're not the team we thought they were. And this whole golden generation and we need these guys... What we've, what's happened here, and, and we were just talking about this today, is that the public is really, the expectations are now really higher because they see the names, they recognize these guys, they have become somewhat stars, they play in big clubs, recognizable clubs with, with Barcelona and Chelsea. And people say, wow, that, that, this is a team I can get behind. Mainly because maybe you didn't know where Willem Tway was, or Kaiserslautern, or Saarbrücken, or Nuremberg, <laughs> or Sheffield Wednesday, or Betis. Those clubs were good enough for you. You were like, what? What is that? I don't know what that is. Sounds like a restaurant. Yet you didn't know what, who we were before. But now you do. So your expectation is that we've got to be this unbelievable machine. And the guys who won the game for us last night, okay, seven of them are MLS players. Two of them are ex-MLS players. 
That's something that we need to think about. In, in the moment where we, we look at our team and we look at who's performing and who's not performing, and you say, okay, Greg Berhalter, change it, fix it. The guy makes five subs, three of them score, one of them has an assist. And it's not the guys that you thought they were going to be. It, it's not Reyna. It's not McKinney. It's not Christian Pulisic who went off with an injury. And Tyler Adams was playing out of position until they finally put him in the middle, put Yedlin in the game, and all of a sudden we looked better. But energy and youthful exuberance and belief in each other is why we got through that. Now, here's the, here's the rub here. And here's, the, here's what I would say to everybody. It's a what if, it, it really. It, it, do, do we need Pulisic? Do we need Gio Reyna? We certainly don't need Weston McKinney. I think we still need Tyler Adam. We certainly don't need Sargent and Brooks. You know what? Stay in Germany, man. If you're going to come back and do that, save us the trouble. We got other guys that are willing and ready. McKinsey's performance. Robinson's performance. I'm watching that play by John Brooks. And, I, and the, my first question was, why is he coming all the way out of position just not to run back into position? And the way that we got scored on versus Canada was very similar to the way we got scored on against Honduras. And both of them go on John Brooks. So we got a bunch of guys who make a lot of money. And they play for big teams that are letting us down. So that golden generation has kind of lost its shine, hasn't it? Because this is World Cup qualification. That's what this is. This is not the World Cup. Those are two very different animals, people. Very different. And when, when you go to the World Cup and you play against the teams that have qualified to be there, the level goes up. We used to make jokes. We said, when the level gets this low, I rise to it. And that's, that's a joke, but it's... The, when you play in these kind of games, what do you need? You need guys that are going to fight. You need guys that aren't worried about the next tackle. And that's what I saw. And the other part of this is, is now what has just happened with Greg Berhalter. As a manager, he has to send Christian Pulisic home hurt with a little note that says, sorry about that. And he gets to send Gio Reyna home hurt. So how happy are those guys going to be the next time they have to say, all right, you're going back to America or you're going back to playing qualifiers? How much, how, how does the value in that player now in the sense that, man, we bought you for a lot of money. And I know it's a heart string, but is there any way that you could just stay home? Just, you know, just get healthy and play for the club that's paying you millions of dollars? What do you think? It's a question. If I'm Greg Berhalter, I play that card. I tell him to stay. Let, you know, keep, keep that one in your back pocket for later when you need it. But right now, against Jamaica and Costa Rica, do we really need those guys to come back, get on a plane, piss off their clubs and act up again and then get hurt and go home? 
The only reason why I'm saying this, folks, is because I did it, all right? I tried to go through a qualification process. And all I did is get hurt and piss off my club. And we didn't have 47 guys in a stable. We didn't. Thank God we do now. Back then, it was about 13 of us that could do it. <laughs> and if two of us got hurt, we were in trouble. We were in big trouble. The circumstances now might really be interesting. Because Pulisic, he's going to go home. They're going to evaluate that ankle and figure out if he's all right. Gio Reyna's going to have that hamstring evaluated and find out, okay, is he going to play? Now think about this. We get back after it on October 7th, 10th and 13th. Bang, bang, bang. Three games in a row. Pretty, uh, you know, the worthy opponents, which, which I think could cause some problems for us. But at the, at the end of the day, we should win these games. We get to go to Austin, which will be cool, right? We're going to play in Austin, uh, and that's on October 7th. We got to go to Panama. And then, of course, uh, we get back after it in Columbus. Columbus used to be the home for the Dos Acero in Mexico, but uh, it is now going to be the home for Costa Rica. And that'll be on October 13th. But if you are in the, in the, in the boat or the, the head of these other managers who have to get on the phone and put these big red X's on their calendars back home, oh, this is when my players are going to be gone. Man, this really, it's going to affect their playing time with their clubs. And you, you, got, you got guys like Weston McKinney, who was a part of that first half against Empoli, and they lost. I don't know if the goal was his fault, but he got subbed at halftime. And Allegri doesn't like it. So this could very well be the case where he goes home or back to Italy with a manager that has now said he wants to sell him and isn't happy with his behavior in the first place, who may not play a competitive game before he comes back on October 7th. My suggestion is don't bring him back at all because the Calera Costas of the world and the Sebastian the Jets of the world just proved that they can do it. We're going to be fine with those guys. And Ricardo Pepe is, is a goal scorer. I, I got I me. Mean, I have, I, I, I kind of went after, I don't know if I should say who I went after, but he was called the most purest goal scorer that we've ever had in this country. And I was like, okay, calm down. He's 18, relax. But after the way he played the other night, uh, I want to see more. I, I remember watching the, uh, his hat trick against the LA Ga at Galaxy a couple months ago and thinking, huh, man, 18-year-old kid, hat trick against the Galaxy. I didn't think the Galaxy played particularly well that night. I, I had a hard time figuring out, you know, what the hell happened. But there was something pure about him. And you know his story. You, you know his story. He, he is not actually cap-tied. Now, for those of you who don't know what that means, even though Pepe just scored and assisted essentially two goals, one and a half, he could still play for Mexico. Isn't that crazy? And that's, that, that's a weird one. And, and I think now we just got to pour on the love. And we've lived this before, guys, not with Mexico, with Croatia. In the last World Cup, think if you're Christian Pulisic. In the last World Cup, Croatia which he has dual citizenship for, the whole reason why he was able to go to Dortmund when he was 16 in the first place, goes all the way to the World Cup final. But Christian Pulisic decided to play for the U.S. 
and he didn't even get to go. So these decisions are not easy. They are career decisions. And I'm sure that some of those sponsors poured in the money to make sure that uh, Christian Pulisic was, was on board with staying here. But my argument is this. In the next set of qualifiers, we don't need Gio Reyna. We don't. We don't need Weston McKinney. We don't need Christian Pulisic. We might need him in the World Cup, but let him stay. Let him stay with their clubs. Make a statement. I would. I would. I, I know that people will call me crazy, but you know that wouldn't be the first time. But you got guys underperforming like Sargent. There's other people on the bench. The DK might be ready to go at that point, and he'd be a wonderful option against Jamaica and Costa Rica. Is Sargent a good option? Sometimes you play yourself off the team. And I think that's what's happening with Josh Sargent. He played poorly last night. And that's being nice. He's, he's made his move, okay? He played in Germany, got relegated, and went to another team that's about to get relegated in Watford. What does that sound like? Sounds like my career. I got relegated twice. Went up once and got relegated twice. <laughs> Left the stadium in a, in, a, in a chest that was supposed to be for our clothes because it wasn't safe. Those are different times, but I don't think we need them. I don't think we need these guys. And I couldn't be, uh, I couldn't be more happy to say that. I mean, Aronson might have to make the flight. And I hope he's healthy because he's, like I said, he's, he's growing on me. But we have enough horses in the stable now to get the, get the job done. And we certainly don't need to drive a wedge between some of the relationships that Greg Berhalter is going to need later, possibly, in this qualification process. So I'm saying let him stay home. Let him get healthy. Uh, it, Christian Pulisic has been, been beat up. And, and, and a lot of people have, have made a lot about the fact that he hasn't been able to stay healthy. He's got a lot on his plate, man. A lot. But there was one thing that you're forgetting. We play better without him. And, and that's, that's a hard thing to say. But when the other team puts so much attention on somebody and you understand that you're playing with your, your most important guy, he's not the first guy to realize how hard playing international soccer is because you're identified as the, the, the opposition's best player. Ask Lionel Messi what that's been like for 10 years. Other guys got to step up, and that's exactly what happened. That is exactly what happened. I mean, I am enthused. I, I really am. I, you know, four to one, you know, I've been in so many of those games. And I, to, to really reflect on that and say, what do we make of it? Uh, what we make of it is that we, we, have, we have a strong team. And we have some guys that are hungrier than others. Let's just put it that way. And if you watch Christian Pulisic try to play last night, on a lot of occasions, he looked like he was dragging, even before he got hurt. My little halftime speech about being afraid of him getting hurt was real. It was real. They were lining him up. It was uh, certainly a game that it, the injury could, be, could have been a lot worse, but 
when you're asking a guy to constantly get the ball and drive into those areas, I, I commend him on his bravery. But there's got to be more trust with, this, with the guys around you. And what, what do you think is going through his head as well? I mean, he's, he's recognizing that some of the teammates that he expected to play with aren't out there. And because he played in the tournament, the Nations Cup, he didn't get a lot of time with the, with the rest of these guys. And this is some of the first minutes he's had clearly on the field with Pepe, but this is, this is Pepe's first minutes. Uh, anyway, but this is a team that, that I think right at the moment where we thought it was all going to go to hell, we turned it around. And that is something you just do not see very often. Now, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Uh, you can, of course, hit me on Twitter, uh, at Eric Winalda. It's got a little check mark next to it. So I don't know if that hurts me or helps me. And, of course, ericwinalda.com. We're trying to set that one up for you so you can start blasting me over there. But I would love to hear what people think. And just keep this in mind. Argentina used to do this all the time. Simeone played at Inter and, um, and Gabriel uh, Batistuta. They never came back for qualifiers. They didn't want to risk the injury. They didn't want to piss off their club. They knew who was paying their salary. But when the World Cup came, they were like, yeah, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready. And by the way, I'm healthy. So how about that? And then the media took over, and of course they played. Of course they did. But Argentina had that luxury. They had amazing players in the stable. Now, I'm not saying we got amazing players in the stable, but we have horses. And we got enough of them to figure out a way to qualify without the quote-unquote superstars. We, need our, we, need, we need, you always need to be healthy to be able to play this game. We can't run these guys into the ground. We can't. We can't. My, one of my biggest fears is one of them takes a really bad injury. I'll give you a quick story on, on why I get so uh, emotional about this. Is, but in 1998, uh, I got a phone call from a guy named Otto Rehagel, who you may or may not know, but he was a longtime coach of Werder Bremen. He actually won the, uh, the Euros with uh, Greece when they, when they just parked the bus in front of the goal. and Actually, they parked a semi in front of the goal, and they, they got lucky a few times. They won every game, won nothing, but they won uh, the Euros with Greece. It's an amazing story. But this guy calls me and says, I want you to come play for me at Kaiserslautern. Now, this was in a World Cup year, mind you. Okay, So I had just come out of um, the qualification process. We had already qualified for the World Cup. So there was nothing really standing in the way outside of me just being eager to, to prepare. So this is a January. I was living in Vegas. I remember where I got the phone call. I actually walked into my closet. I, I, I remember everything vividly. And Otto Rehagel told me he wanted me to come play for him at Kaiserslautern. Versicherung is what he said, which means insurance. I'm, in, I'm the insurance player because he was concerned that his forwards needed a break every once in a while. He was trying to manage it. I thought it was a wonderful opportunity. And Major League Soccer said no to the loan deal. Now, what that meant to me was I had to sit on my ass until March before I started training again in a World Cup year. So what did I do? I trained every day. I tried to get as fit as I could. When the season started in 1998, we had the first two games out of the shoot. I think we played Colorado and uh, Dallas. No, it was L.A. and Dallas. And I came out of the shoot, a goal and assist in both games, flying. But as it turned out, back then, 
Major League Soccer had this thing called the shootout. So if a game ended in a tie, you had to do the 35 yards out, you know, roll it in and try and score. The goalkeeper at that time is a familiar face, you might, or a name you might know, and Garth Lagerway, who was the goalkeeper, who was a teammate of mine later at, in Miami, but he was the goalkeeper for Dallas in the shootout. And I tried to chip him. He wanted to see where it was going, and he did something a little awkward. He threw his right hip into my knee and thrashed my knee in a World Cup year, two and a half, uh, three and a half months before the first World Cup game. So I wanted to go to Europe. I wanted to play. They didn't let me. And I get hurt in probably the stupidest way possible. And then I have to go play in a World Cup, and we all know how in 98 went. It was terrible. And I barely made it back to fitness. And I thought, and I, and I made the team. But we were three and out, and we were horrible. The only good news on that World Cup is I did not play against Iran. That's when we lost that game. We lost all three. But I only got about 70 minutes in a World Cup. So when, when we talk about decisions that we're making now, to, to prepare for a World Cup, this is where I get a little prickly. And I start to worry. And I start to worry about careers, and I start to worry about relationships. And that's why I have opinions like this. And the worst thing that could have happened, happened as well. Kaiserslautern won the German Cup. So I could have won the German Cup. But instead, I ran into Garth Lagerway, and I had what's called a subluxated fibula head, which means you basically rip the bone out of your knee. It's painful. And by the way, it never heals. So when I talk about our national team players and I say maybe we don't need them, maybe need's the wrong word. Let's use them when we really need them. And that's in the World Cup. All right, well, that's it on that. Here's the other part of this show that I, 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 I'm going to really enjoy because as we move out of the qualification process, we got to start talking about games. Everybody's going back to club play. Uh, the number one thing that everyone's going to be watching on Saturday morning is Cristiano Ronaldo, number seven. CR7 is back in Manchester. I don't think I've ever seen my two sons this happy. Um, I have the girls. The girls are Chelsea fans, and the boys are Manchester United fans, so I am a house divi uh, divided. It's terrible. However, uh, this is going to be a fantastic game. That's coming to you at Saturday morning. I, I'm not going to try and uh, you know, lay a line on this one, but uh, you know, WinBet, those guys do ask me what they think is going to happen. Uh, I don't know how much my opinion factors into this, but some great matchups this weekend that you might be want to pay attention to outside of Manchester United. Uh, of course, you have Leicester City taking on Manchester City. Uh, that would be the two, and Liverpool, Leicester, which, which is an interesting story if you're following what happened in Brazil with all the players that may, uh, if the ruling isn't switched, uh, they will have to sit this one out. So you have, you're going to have players missing uh, possibly Champions League matchups, which, which hit the, uh, the, the Tuesday, Wednesday of next week, and uh, missing their uh, EPL fixtures this weekend. So let, let's keep an eye on that story. I, I'm, I'm going to talk about it more next week. I want to see how it unfolds and see what ends up happening with, uh, with uh, this whole COVID not allowing players to play, you know, suspending them. It's, it's, the, the ruling really hasn't been completed yet. So let's, let's just put that on the hold pattern. But the other big one, really, is in all this speculation about Greg Berhalter's out, 
The replacement would be Jesse Marsh. And I don't know how that would work because he just took that post uh, at um, Leipzig in Germany, which is a wonderful uh, uh, climb for him. You know, he had coached several teams in Major League Soccer, ended up going to uh, uh, Red Bull in Salzburg, and then it, it makes the big jump uh, to RB Leipzig, which is a, a, you know, a huge club now. It, and Red Bull and their money, uh, great story, fifth, fourth, third, second, first. Oh, now we're talking about Champions League. So it's, it, it was a, a, a very quick climb to greatness. And an American coach is at the helm. And that's, that's uh, my very good friend, Jesse Marsh. I will have him on the program at some point. And you guys will really enjoy that conversation because we go at it. I mean, we are, we are very good friends, and uh, we, we just don't we, – we actually forget that we're being tape-recorded sometimes, and we really just uh, have fun with each other. And it's, real, it's mainly because it, it's, it's, it's really kind of humorous to me uh, to see where he is now, uh, knowing the way that we treat him when he was in that Chicago Fire locker room. I was like, shut up, Jesse. You know what you're talking about. But that is a, is, is a game, uh, Leipzig taking on Bayern Munich. Uh, that'll be at 12.30, I guess, my time. Not, well, that's not 9.30 my time uh, on the West Coast. If you're on the East Coast, it'll be 12.30. Leipzig is uh, had, dealing with all kinds of uh, issues as well. But this is a wonderful moment, uh, certainly, for uh, our friend Jesse Marsh. I, I, I wish him well, but it's been a, a tumultuous start, to say the, the least. He's uh, lost the first one one Big, big win against Stuttgart, uh, and then lost again. So now you're running into Bayern. You have them at home, and uh, the expectations are crazy. And if you're really getting into it, the line is uh, plus 120 to Bayern. So it, it, it's, it's, it's expected to be a draw. I uh, don't usually like to drop the lines on these kind of things, but uh, that, that is the case. But the big story really will be Ronaldo is back. And uh, he broke a record this week with uh, shirt sales. In a 24-hour window, I think 48 hours, he's broken that record. He's going to break a lot of those records over the course of the next couple of weeks. They might get to the point where he's actually paid for the transfer fee, uh, but he certainly uh, is on my two sons' Christmas list, so i got to figure that one out. But I am really, I think it's a wonderful story. It's a wonderful return, and um, you do want to catch that on Saturday morning. Sunday, the, the games get a little different, and, of course, Liverpool will be after it uh, with Leeds, as I mentioned. And they are dealing with the possibility of, uh, you know, Firmino, Fabino, Allison might have to sit this one out. And what's really sad is Rafinha, um, who's a wonderful player for Leeds. And if you haven't seen him play, um, you know, try and, try and catch a game. He's worth it. Uh, it it's, it's, it's sad that he might have to sit this one out, too. And he, he really just went along for the ride. I love Messi's quotes. Messi was like, why did they let us play five minutes and then shut the game down when they clearly knew? Like why? Why did they do that? I mean, it was if if you paid attention to that story, it, it got a little uh, a little tricky. But it, it just when we thought, you know, Concacaf was the craziest, Comable did goes and does their thing. But it's going to be a fantastic uh, a fantastic weekend as we get back into the uh, the club play. I'll be watching the Bundesliga a little bit of Syria. Uh, I I don't think we'll, we'll see our our boy Weston McKinney, even though he got home early. He will not be in that lineup, and that's something I'm going to check for. Um, the second that those team sheets come out, but it's going to be a great weekend. And we will get back after it here uh, at For the Win next week. And we'll give you a recap of everything that has happened, everything that um, we think you need to know. The storylines will change. We do want you to, to, to figure out a way uh, to help us dictate what these storylines are. And what, what is it, what's important to you? I mean, uh, clearly Arsenal might get back on track, but I know a lot of Arsenal fans have chimed in with me, and I've had my history with you ever since my days at Fox. 
But, uh, you know, is Arteta going to figure it out? That, that's going to be interesting. We'll, we'll do a recap of how uh, Jesse Marsh's day went and, of course, uh, some stuff on the great Ronaldo. Either way, that is it for me. I am out. I want to just send one last message to all of the supporters of the U.S. national team. This is your country. Put your hand on your heart and hope for a win, regardless of how you feel about our coach. At some point, he might win you over. If he doesn't, it shouldn't matter. Root for the United States. we got to qualify this time. And we haven't lost in 12 games. Where have we ever heard that? Fire the coach. But he hasn't lost in 12 games. Well, as soon as he loses, let's get rid of him. Don't have that attitude. Support. Don't be a fanatic. All right? This is Eric Winalda. And I am out for the week. Uh, enjoy the weekend. Uh, looking forward to the next one, which uh, we'll, we'll dive into something else. And I hope you enjoy that one as well. For now, be good humans. We'll hear you next time.